One of the most frustrating things for me in my business is really having an accurate financial picture of what the business is doing at any one moment. Well, Jesse from FinOptimal came in and he shared some of the best ways we can get a better understanding of where we are right now so we have a really strong idea of what decision we can make now. We also talk a little bit about how can we come out with maybe a new product? How can we get to know our market better, even though we might have been in the market for a while? I love that he shared sometimes knowledge can be a detriment in some ways. Check this out. There's a lot of stuff we cover here that's really helpful for early stage leaders. Welcome to Scale Your SaaS, the podcast that gives you proven techniques and formulas for boosting your revenue and achieving your dream exit. Brought to you by a guy who's done just that multiple times. Here's your host, Matt Wallach. Hello, welcome to Scale Your SaaS. Super excited to have you here. Thank you very much for coming. Thanks for watching. If you're on YouTube, thanks for listening. If you're on the podcast network, if you are new to the show, definitely hit the subscribe button right now. That way you're not going to miss any of the cool upcoming shows we have for you. We are here to help you scale your SaaS so you can grow your company and get it to an amazing level and maybe have that dream exit. My name is Matt. I'm here to help you do it. Each week we have a guest. So that subscribe is going to get you a lot of insight into great leaders around the industry. And today I'm super jacked to have Jesse Rubenfeld with us. Jesse, how you doing? All right, Matt. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm really excited for you to be here. Let me make sure everybody knows who you are. So Jesse, he's the founder and CEO at FinOptimal. FinOptimal helps QuickBooks online-based businesses streamline their financial operations, optimizing value per dollar with an outsourced accounting service heavily focused on automation. He's also formerly the CFO at LimeWire, a product I used to know and love. So once again, Jesse, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks so much. It's great to be here. Yep, that's more or less my life in a few seconds. <laughs> awesome. I love it. So tell me, what's going on with you lately and what's coming up for you guys? Well, we're really excited. We just launched um, our, our first SaaS product. It's called the Accruer. The Accruer is the first and only way to fully automate deferred revenue prepaid expenses and fixed assets directly in QuickBooks. Very slick. I love that. Uh, now it's way above my head accounting wise. I let uh, people take care of that. But tell us, what does that mean when you're automating those types of things? And when does a company need that? Of course. So accounting is the language of business, right? Using accrual accounting is speaking the language fluently. So what is it? Let me give you a simple example. If I'm a SaaS company and I sell an annual contract today and I collect the whole thing up front, but I have to deliver that subscription over the next 12 months, okay? I need to defer 11 months and not recognize it today, the day that I get the cash. That's accrual accounting. It's a simple concept, but it's complicated to get right. Accounting firms that we've talked to have told us that they struggle training their people, including experienced bookkeepers, on how to do this well. And the accruer is the easiest and fastest way to get on an accrual basis without learning accounting. Love it. And I know there's always that big argument between cash, accrual, and, you know, are you on accruing? What, which way are you going? Which way is the best? Sounds like accruing. Yes, there's only one way. Okay, okay. Love that. So why did you decide to start this company, whether it's FinOptimal or Accruer? Which, why did you, how did that whole thing come to be? Well, I would say it started with my career at LimeWire. 
my job was to be the eyes and ears, financially speaking, of the company. If money went out of the bank account, came into the bank account, I had to be able to account for it. Right? I started as an entry-level accountant doing accounts payable, data entry, <coughs> excuse me, the monthly close. Eventually I rose to be CFO of that company, but only once I could take the block and tackle of my day-to-day and start to extract strategic insights, which is what every business owner wants to be able to do. And the way I created time to be more strategic in my job was by automating the block and tackle that otherwise would be the source of a lot of errors and time-consuming research projects and exception handling. So I taught myself to code. Um, First it was Perl, then ultimately uh, Python, which is the language that most of our software is written in. And this this gave me a platform, this automation gave me a platform to buy myself time at my day job so that I could think more strategically and think about how to be a better partner to management. Um, And that really gave me the idea ultimately, wow, I've done a great job, I think, doing this internally. Maybe I can do this for private clients on the side. I really started Finoptimal as a side hustle that was an extension of what I already did in my day job, if that makes sense. I love it. So you had some extra bandwidth. You're like, well, I'm already doing this. I figured out some yeah. great ways to, to make it quick and simple. Why don't I just open up some of that bandwidth for others? That's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, at first I didn't know what I wanted the bandwidth for. I just thought to myself, I don't want to be filing this paper away. I want to be making... Mu- I, I, was, I was actually, when I lived in New York, I was a musician. I used to play shows at the Bitter End and in the Living Room and a bunch of downtown east and west village locations and I wanted time to go to band rehearsals and write music so at first that's what I was buying time for it was only later that I thought all right now that I want to have you know a family um, I need to do something productive with this time and that's that's where phenomenal came from not that music is not productive don't get me wrong it wasn't (laughs) that remunerative maybe in a different way I like that um Totally. And going back to your time at LimeWire, I mean, that's a product I used in college, and it's, uh, it's something that uh, kind of was, was very hot for quite a while. That, I mean, you rose up through the ranks. You had to see quite a lot of interesting things and a, a lot of changes while you were there. 100%. You know, I knew right away when I came in to interview for that job that uh, Mark, who's the principal, um, was somebody that I wanted to work for. The offices had plants all over the place and there were Buddhas, Buddha statues, and they had these great parties and they had an open office plan that we model our offices out on, right? I was hearing things from software developers who were you know, sitting a couple seats away from me um, and that gave me ideas about how to do my job better. So I, you know, those, were, those were lessons that as an entrepreneur, um, I didn't know what business I wanted to start, but I knew that I eventually wanted to start a business. And when I was thinking through, do I take this equity research job or you know, something a little more off the beaten path? All right, I think I want, that's what I want to be eventually. I'm going to go work for him. He needs an accountant. I'm going to be an accountant. Um, that's really how that kind of came about. And of course, I heard of brand, the brand, like LimeWire is an iconic brand name. When I was in college, um, you know, that was just I, the, the thought of working there. Wow. All right. I'm a musician. I really, I really get what, what they're doing. Um, uh, 
So it was an easy choice for me. Very cool. Good story. So uh, focusing on what you're doing now with FinOptimal, why should startup founders, why should SaaS leaders care about accounting? At the end of the day, it's about metrics. The closer to real time, the better. When you're trying to, um, you mentioned, you know, the prospect of having, you know, the sweet equity payout um, at the end of your SaaS journey, it's really important to think if you want to achieve that about your business as a financial package. Um, I know and love all the software that we've written at FinOptimal, but I know that our investors, current and hopefully future investors, will think of us as a money-making machine to some extent. And that gets back to the language of business. You need to be able to show your MRR, your monthly recurring revenue, your ARR, neatly and cleanly. And automation, like automation lets you see that fast, right? If you, if you automate it, you can accurately and cheaply get the answers that you need to put into your board deck without a lot of headaches every month scrambling to prepare for that meeting, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I, I am always freaking out before that board meeting. I'm sure other leaders are as well. So tell me, so you mentioned automation. So what exactly are we doing in that automation? Why should, I mean, you talked about why we should, but I mean, that seems like something everybody should be doing. Why aren't people doing it more? You know, I think there's a fundamental, so this is tricky. There's accountants and there's developers, Right? I don't. Many accountants have had the experience of, imp, and many non-accountants have had the experience of implementing a large software package, like an Oracle or an SAP or something like this. And a lot of times, a consultant will show up. You have there's an implementation experience, and you're supposed to get it all working and done during that implementation. And you have more tech type of people doing the implementation. Mm -hmm. And in our world, you have accountants that are the users that have to get value out of the implementation. And there's a fundamental disconnect between those two groups of people that on the surface, accountants and engineers would seem to have a lot in common. Take FinOptimal, we try to build a culture to build accounting engineers, right? Accountants that code to try to bridge that gap between the users of the software and the creators of the software to try to avoid some of what otherwise is inevitable, which is sort of a mismatch between what you implement and what the users need. So that's a unique advantage for us. We can build an out-of-the-box solution um, to handle some of the more complicated accounting problems of which accruals is one. Um, so in short, yeah. it's about the accountant dash coder. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, switching gears and focusing on your own business and how you guys are, are growing. I want to talk about that because you just mentioned that, that there are different stakeholders and you've got these accountants, you've got the engineers, you've got probably the executives. They all have different reasons of why they might or may not understand why they need to work with you in FinOptimal. How do you approach that? How do you get the accountants to realize this or this? Or how, how, do you, how do you make sure everybody is on board so that they sign? You know, it's a great question. We try to take a consultative approach. A lot of solving people's problems starts with listening, right? Our head sales guy 
is a CPA first who can code. Um, that's me. I'm the CPA that can code and I'm the head sales guy. <laughs> but even, even our, 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 our director of growth, the person who's charged with getting um, accounting firms and with other g- getting um, direct, like small and medium businesses on board using our products and services is a CPA. We think it's important when we talk to prospective clients to listen to the problem. They're different. Everybody has different problems. It's not one size fits all, but it's about we, we, we first try to understand the pain and then we try to say, here are some solutions that might work given the right t- twisting of the dials, if that makes sense. It does. I love that. And right configuration. Some, yeah, 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 for sure. And that's something that I definitely work on with my clients a lot because everybody faces this or many people do where you're selling to an organization and there's different types of roles in that organization. They all have different desires and needs. And so I'm loving that, you know, you're mentioning you focus on the pain. And that's one thing I coach is focus on the pain of each individual role and each person, because that CEO cares a lot differently about different things than that accountant does. And same thing with anybody else you might be selling to. So I bet you go through that. And you, you help people select software products that are going to solve their problems, right? That's often one of the things people are hiring you for. Do I correctly understand that? Well, I, I help them understand how to sell to those so they can sell their product more. So I coach them on the sales process and how to make sure that they're oh, okay. getting people to understand their pain and know that they need a solution to that pain. Ah, understood. Okay, got it. Um, what, what is the biggest pain in accounting for you or that you hear your team complaining about? I think a lot of it is you just don't know where you stand at any one moment. When I think of my SaaS company, it's like, where are we on our cash situation? Where are we with this? What decisions can I make as a CEO? I want to know, are we able to do this or not? Is this an initiative we should start? How does it impact us? I think all those things are critical. How long does that typically take to figure that out? Uh, I'm guessing there's some kind of closed cycle, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it depends on what we're doing. Um, My partner is the CFO, and he's usually pretty good about it. Uh, But sometimes you need that decision super fast, and it's hard for him to understand that quickly. Right, so our goal is to try to get those questions answered as quick as possible, ideally without us in the loop. That's sort of the problem that we're trying to solve. Get you prepared for that board meeting with as little you know, human work as possible except to look at what you're going to present through a strategic lens. And you want to try to have confidence that all the little pieces that go into that you know, summary graph that shows the hockey stick, you know, that you understand that the numbers behind that are prepared you know, artfully, correctly, um, efficiently. That's what we're really trying to solve for quickly. And so automation is helping to kind of speed it up and eliminate manual steps. Is that right? That's right. That's right. We think 80 to 90%, right? Like booking that deferred revenue from the, from the year contract. If it's a year contract, you've got to book at least 12 accounting entries, one for each month that you actually have to recognize that one time cash flow in your MRR. Right. So, but for that, by, by, by that metric, we're saving over 90% of the time because you're now just booking one entry that tells you that you, t- you tell QuickBooks, Hey, this is a 12 month contract. And then FinOptimal will just books all the rest of the entries. So you saved booking 11 entries right there. Wow. For each contract. 
So, so when does a software company need something like this? When do they know that, that they need FinOptimal, they need outsource? When, when should they be doing that at what stage? That's a great question. Obviously, every company is different. I think when they find themselves spending more time than they want to getting ready for that board meeting, and in particular, figuring out what's my MRR, right? Oh, I see we've got this really chunky June and this really slim July. Like, these are 12-month contracts. I need to be able to express this quickly and clearly. What is our MRR? Um, we have 30 contracts. I don't want to do a deep dive into Excel and have to build this model. You kind of just know when you want to have that automated because you're, too, you're spending too much time in that, in that preparation cycle, which means that the monthly close is either not happening at all or it's happening too slowly. Um, the need can start from the accountant who's tasked with doing the fire drill to help you prepare for your board. Hey, I don't want to do this anymore. There's a better way. There must be a better way. Or it might come from the business owner or from a senior manager who says, I can't wait this long. There must be a better way. You know, how are you, show me how you're doing this currently. Are there any products out there that could reduce this time drastically? Oh, yes, yes, there is. There's the accruer. Awesome. And in terms of your company, I know that you, you mentioned you had a great idea to get it started, but what are some of the best lessons you learned along the way, Jesse, that helped you get to where you guys are now? Let's see, I think it takes a lot of confidence to <clears throat> know your strengths as a person and as a company because there's a lot of suggestions coming your way from your customers, your investors, your employees, your friends that tell you when it's time to quit your day job, who you should sell to, how you should sell to them, what you should build. And, you know, know thyself is being able to follow your own lights, hear others and incorporate suggestions, but not get derailed by every opinion that sounds well-informed. I think that's super great advice. I hear that a lot. And a lot of people come to me when they're wanting help and they say, listen, I'm hearing from here to do this. I'm hearing from there to this. I just saw this on Twitter. I just read about that. And it's like, they're so overwhelmed with here's what you need to do that they want one voice who's been there, done that just to kind of guide them and show them, just tell me what to do. And I'll just do that. And it, as a leader, sometimes we feel lost without that. We don't, we're kind of wondering, should I do this? Should I do that? And having that guidance is just so critical. I think that's why so many CEOs take on mentors, take on coaches, because it's so nice to have that sounding board and that guide to kind of shepherd you along the way, right? Well, I'll tell you what, Matt, we've been selling services for eight years and software for one month. Um, maybe we can ask for a little pro bono tip here. What's the biggest piece of advice you would give to us, to me, as we start selling a software product? Yeah, switch from, switch from services to software is definitely uh, intriguing and interesting. But what I would really want to know is I'd really want to understand the buyer. And I'm sure you guys have had enough conversations to know them that I really would want me and my team to get in and truly understand why do they need this versus the service or both together. And I would have 30, 40, 50 conversations with different current customers and maybe potential new buyers to really understand, hey, 
what are the big challenges and not say, Hey, would you like this? It's more of what are the pain points? Like we talked about before, what are the challenges? What are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish and where do you want to be? And what, what do you feel is going to prevent you from getting there? And really understanding them will help you develop the product to where it needs to be. It'll help you develop the messaging and the marketing. It'll help you develop your sales process and pitches. It, it, it kind of feeds everything, just knowing the buyer. And so I know you probably, with your eight years' experience of uh, the services, you probably have a good understanding of that. But I would still want to go back and really level set with them and understand outside of the services what else can we solve using this this tech, this tool now. That's super helpful. Thank you. You know, I can imagine <clears throat> in trying to keep what the buyer wants top of mind, um, I could easily become, um, I guess entrenched in a certain way of thinking, having sold things, having done things a certain way for so long, I can imagine how having a coach could help focus my attention on things that I might not be thinking of or might not be emphasizing enough. When I think about that ideal customer profile, how to find them, how to sell to them, I'm a big fan of um, you know consultations of that nature. Yeah, in fact, it's funny you bring that up. We did a study and basically what we looked at was reps who are like sales reps who are newer in their role. They understand what they're doing, but they're still newer and sales reps who are, have been doing it for a long time. And what we learned was the sales reps that have been doing it for a very long time did much worse discovery. Their discovery process was far worse than the newer reps. And the reason is, is because they feel like they've seen it all. So they already understand what the people are going through. They already understand the challenges that the market on the whole has and probably likely after they start the conversation, they start to identify quickly what that person in particular is facing. The problem is a lot of people don't understand it. And these sales reps who are experienced still don't understand it. it. Discovery is not about us. It's about the buyer. The buyer needs to go through that process. The buyer needs to understand their pain on a deeper level. They need to understand their struggles and why it's bad that they're facing this right now more than just us realizing this is a fit for us. And too many times we say, oh, it's a fit, check, let's just move on. And experienced sales reps understand that it's a fit quickly because they know it, but they need the buyer to get to that point much better. And so uh, that's something that we've learned. And so hopefully for you who understands your market really well and understands your buyer, getting to back to realizing it's not about what you understand, it's what they understand is critical. Well, that's very interesting. It makes me think of the curse of knowledge. Once you know something, it's, it's a little bit harder to step into the mind frame of somebody who might not know it. Um, a great book I read called, I can't remember who wrote it, called The Challenger Sale, talks about how the sales experience, talking to someone, talking to a finoptimal salesperson about the accruer should give the audience some value. They should learn something during that meeting unrelated to whether they buy our product. And our experience has shown also in selling services that if people learn something um, as part of one of our discovery calls, right, we're trying to get information about them to see if they're a good fit for our products or services. But in talking through that, if they learn something, we find that that really strengthens the prospects of, of making a sale there. So we're always looking for ways to get better at listening um, and, and understanding what our customers want. 
I love it. I'm glad you are. And the challenger sale is Matthew Dixon and Brent Adamson. And uh, that's ah, required yes. reading for my for my clients. So I'm glad you brought that up because it's okay. absolutely critical. If you're going to be selling something, you got to know the theorems within that. Um, the only thing that we coach around it, not the only thing, we coach a lot of stuff around it, but we coach that. But also, they don't go deep on discovery, which we just talked about is absolutely critical. But if you understand the, the challenger sale and the reasons behind it, it's going to help you sell really quickly. So I'm glad you brought that up, Jesse. I'm glad we're on the right track. Yeah, no doubt. <clears throat> so uh, as we wrap up, what advice would you have for software leaders and founders who are kind of just getting going? What, what, what can you share with them? I would say, uh, think about your business as a financial package. Look for ways to more clearly articulate that financial package without having to do a ton of work, which means make sure that your accounting team or your COO, if that's who's doing it because you're just starting out, is using accrual accounting. And you're going to have a better time raising money and talking to your board and even telling your employees how you're doing. Love it. Very, very cool. How can our audience learn more about you and FinOptimal? Uh, follow me on LinkedIn, um, Jesse Rubenfeld. Go to FinOptimal.com, book a demo for the accruer, and uh, we'd love to learn more about you. Okay, very cool. And we'll put all that into the show notes. So if you're listening, you'll be able to check that out. Go grab that. But this has been great. Jesse, thanks for coming on the show and sharing all your wisdom. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Matt. Absolutely. Everybody out there, thank you very much for being here. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any other amazing leaders like Jesse. You want to get those sessions. So thank you very much. We'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to Scale Your SaaS. For more help on finding great leads and closing more deals, go to mattwallach.com.